Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Never say never, but never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard. Everybody love everybody. We will call it the golden standard. And this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national championship. With Sean Styers. I like that guy. What you could do is is you could have a barbecue on that head. It's a good time, you know what I mean? On Sports Radio 960 AM, double. USBT. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. And now your host, Sean Styers. Hey, hey, hey. Friday, Friday, Friday. Hope you're having a good day. I am coming to you from downtown Stamford, Connecticut with the Notre Dame women's basketball team. They play ACC champion North Carolina State Tomorrow morning, bright and early, 11.30 Eastern Time in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is just north of here. That's in the Sweet 16, of course. I'll have more on that in a little bit, but uh, coming to you from downtown Stamford, uh, down the, uh, not too far from New York City and south of Bridgeport and all that. And actually not too far from Albany, where Darren Pritchett is with Notre Dame Hockey this weekend as well. But it was Pro Day. Back on campus today at Notre Dame, a slew of Notre Dame football players, or I guess former Notre Dame football players now, uh, to be more exact, with a chance to show their stuff for NFL teams earlier this morning, all the testing and drills and everything else they do at the Combine. And 30 out of 32 NFL teams there this morning in the Irish Athletic Center. The only two teams apparently not present, the Seattle Seahawks and the Atlanta Falcons, which seems curious considering <laughs> those two teams have, you know, roster issues. Neither one of, well, I guess the, the Falcons have Marcus Mariota. He actually just signed his contract. Not that they were probably going to, you know, necessarily draft Jack Cohn, but they've got, you know, other roster issues as well. But uh, Pro Days, of course, you know, they give a lot of the guys who didn't get NFL Combine invites a chance to get in front of NFL scouts, see if they can open up some eyes. Guys like Drew White, Kurt Heinisch, Isaiah Pryor, they were all there this morning at Notre Dame. But then it's also a chance for the guys who did get invites, Jack Cohn, Kevin Austin, and others, you know, like those two guys specifically, chance to throw, catch some passes, run some routes, you know, those kind of things you know, get a closer look than what they got at the Combine. But all that said, let's be honest. From a Notre Dame perspective, today's Combine, or not Combine, Pro Day, excuse me, today's Pro Day at Notre Dame was about second chances for Kyron Williams and for Kyle Hamilton as well to see if they could run better 40 times than what they had earlier this month at the Combine down in Indianapolis. And, you know, they both ran um, 40 times that were slower, I think, than most people were expecting. Kyron Williams, 
a very disappointing 4.6540 at the Combine earlier this month. That was the worst of the 27 running backs who ran down in Indianapolis. Cal Hamilton's Combine 40 was 4.59. The good news is both of them ran better times today. Uh, In fact, Kyron Williams went from a 4.65 at the Combine to 4.54 Today, So he shaved a little bit more than a tenth of a second off of his. Hamilton, not a whole lot faster. He went from 4.59 to 4.56. His combined 4.59 today at the Pro Day, 4.56. So negligibly better, but still better. And Kyron Williams, again, anytime you can get it out of those four sixes and at least into the four point, you know, the four fives, you're doing better. And now the skeptics will say, well, of course they ran better times, home cooking and all that. You know, it's Notre Dame's pro day. But don't forget, you know, this stuff is run by the NFL guys once they get there. And while they all have their own handheld stopwatches and they can make their own judgments off of that, they have official timers for all this stuff. And so Kyron Williams improves his 40 time from 465 to 454. And I saw Tyler James who was there, you know, who uh, who told Kyron that it was a 4.54, and apparently Kyron danced a little bit <laughs> when he, he was told his 4.54 was his official time. So still, you know, 4.54, still not close to the top of the heap because, twenty again, 27 running backs ran the 40 at the combine. Seven of those guys hit 4.4 or faster. And they are two different guys actually ran 4.37 at the combine. Pierre Strong from South Dakota State. And Isaiah Pacheco from Rutgers. Kenneth Walker III from Michigan State, along with Devontae Price of Florida Atlantic and Ty Chandler of North Carolina, all ran 4.38 at the Combine. Brees Hall from Iowa State, 4.39. And Zamir White out of Georgia, 4.4 at the Combine. So again, Kyron Williams still, you know, bringing it up, bringing up the rear of that, yeah, that's the elite group, though. You know, the four fours or better. You know, the question still becomes okay, you know, beyond just your speed, what can you do on the field? And I think the biggest thing for Kyron is he didn't want that second number to be a six, and he at least got it into the five. So that is a little bit better. He did uh, his vertical jump and his broad jump again today as well, and he was exactly the same in both. His vertical jump. 32 inches, his broad jump, 9.8. Didn't do the three-cone or the short shuttle or any of that stuff. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, again, he goes from a 4.59 at Pro Day to 4.56 today. His vertical and broad jump unchanged as well, 38 inches in the vertical, 10 feet, 11 inches in the broad jump. And, you know, Kyle Hamilton's 40 time is not elite either, but he did well at the combine with those other explosive measurements his vertical is uh, six inches better than Kyron Williams and his broad jump is more than a foot better and it's just weird but you know Kyron Williams all that we saw from him on the field all these different that he can do uh, to see him test you know this this relatively unspectacularly is is really kind of strange especially when you talk about the Matt Bayless way and all the conditioning and all that stuff and you know Kevin Austin obviously surprised some people with his 40 time that he ran at the combine. But, you know, Hamilton, though, he uh, he tested near the top as far as the explosion 
measurements again the broad and the vertical fluid and you know smooth in his drills according to the reports down there you know the people evaluating him said and and uh, you know did a lot of good things so I don't think Hamilton has anything to worry about I saw Mel Kuyper Jr. in uh, in his latest mock draft actually has Kyle Hamilton going second to the Detroit Lions so you can read into that what you want is that good news is that bad news Hamilton going to Detroit but uh we shall see. So that you know, they they uh, they both got a little bit better, and again, a lot of other guys did a lot of other different things as well today. But uh, Cal Hamilton and Kyron Williams, the most notable because of the fact that they had the slower forty times at the combine earlier this month down in Indy. Well, if your brackets weren't already completely busted before last night, they are probably totally shot right now after the first night of the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, Five-seed Houston downs the South region's number one seed, Arizona, 72-60. to 60. I was never really a believer in the Wildcats. I think it's hard to be a believer of any of those West Coast teams. You know, maybe that's just Eastern confirmation bias. But here we are. They lost last night. Uh, I know Indiana fans didn't want to hear it with Kelvin Sampson, but, man, that guy can coach. I mean, just look at – he took Houston to the Sweet 16 back in 2019 – and then last year, he takes Houston to the Final Four. Now he's got him back in the Elite Eight with a chance to go to back-to-back Final Fours this season. It's either going to be Samson with his Houston Cougars or Jay Wright in the two-seeded Villanova Wildcats from the South region. And that's, that's a team that nobody is talking about at all. Or if, they, if, if anybody's talking about Villanova, I haven't heard it anyway. But I don't think either Samson or Wright probably get enough national credit in Samson, it's easy to see because the NCAA stuff that led to his dismissal at IU. But, man, that's already been 14 years ago. That is amazing. After the 2008 season, he was out of the college game for like six or seven years. And he's been back at Houston now and doing really well. Again, a Final Four last year, at least an Elite Eight this year with a chance to get back to the Final Four once again. I wonder if he gets snatched up by a Power Five program. Again, I'll be really curious to see that or if he is content there to stay at, at Houston and maybe just get a big fat raise out of the whole deal. And, you know, Jay Wright, he won two national titles in three years at Villanova. They were Sweet 16 last year and now a chance for their first Final Four since that second championship, which has been, gosh, it's been four years ago, two, 2018 already. But, you know, they sent the 11 seed Michigan and Jawan Howard packing last night i thought maybe you know vince and i did the rapid fire question the other day about which of the double digit seeds i felt like had a chance to get to the to the final four i thought maybe michigan but again i think it's just because kind of overlooking villanova a little bit you got a pair of double digit seeds playing against each other tonight with uh, iowa state and miami and then of course you've got st peter's taking on purdue uh, later on tonight as well down in Philly. How about Eric Musselman, though, leading four-seed Arkansas to a takedown of the number one overall seed, Gonzaga? A lot of non-believers in Gonzaga to begin with, but, man, Musselman, he's got Arkansas in a second eight with that win. Remember when he was still at Nevada a few years ago? He he, he got uh, Nevada to the Sweet 16, and, you know, he's got those Razorback fans calling the hogs down there. Right now, the last time Arkansas got to the Final Four, Nolan Richardson 
and my man Corliss Williamson and company, they lost to UCLA in the national title game in 1995. That was the last time Arkansas got to the Final Four. Remember those 40 minutes of hell teams? Man, Those I, I loved watching those teams. And, you know, that's what Musselman's brought to Arkansas. It's kind of a throwback, or at least, you know, last night was anyway, throwback of that 40 minutes of hell. You know, that's how they beat Gonzaga last night. Musselman's a great coach, too. A lot of great coaches in the Elite Eight right now. Uh, can they end the Coach K victory tour, though? <laughs> that's what I want to know. Can that just end? Uh, they managed to hold off Texas Tech. Duke did last night. So you've got Arkansas and Duke at about 9 o'clock tomorrow night. The other game, Houston against Villanova at 6. And we've got Sweet 16 games coming up tonight here on WSBT after Sports Beat. 15 seed St. Peter's against 3 seed Purdue. That is in Philly. And as I said early, earlier, I'm with Notre Dame women's basketball in Stamford, Connecticut, as they prepare to play North Carolina State tomorrow morning at 11.30. The team practiced up in Bridgeport, Connecticut, a half an hour or so north of here. Depending on traffic, it can take a lot longer, I guess. But they they practiced in Bridgeport. And then Neil Ivey, we are, from what I'm told, about 35 minutes or so from New York City, where Stamford is. So Neil Ivey uh, going, driving down to Philadelphia, uh, as she's driving there as we speak right now to watch her son Jaden play in tonight's game. And then she's going to drive back here to Connecticut for uh, for the Notre Dame women's game tomorrow morning. So uh, we will see how that turns out. She won't have to, uh, to be the mom on the Zoom again tonight like she was last weekend when we were down in Oklahoma City and uh, Purdue was was busy winning their two games last weekend kansas the only number one remaining seed fingers crossed they face four seed providence tonight 7 30 in chicago another big east team you know along with villanova providence no one talking about and they're playing the no respect card and all that stuff and it's it's going to be a tough matchup kansas had to scrap their way past creighton last weekend and they're going to see another tough team when they face providence tonight so again the jayhawks the only number one seed remaining in the men's tournament. And uh, so also then coming up tonight, the later games, eight-seed North Carolina against four-seed UCLA, a team that made the Final Four last year. That'll be somewhere around 940-ish, something like that. And the late game tonight in the Midwest region, 11-seed Iowa State against 10-seed Miami. And then again, like I said, we've got Notre Dame women's basketball, Sweet 16. Tomorrow morning, the first game of day two of the Sweet 16 for the women on Live 99.9 FM. First ever meeting between Notre Dame and North Carolina State in NCAA tournament play. The uh, Irish and the Wolfpack, their only ACC loss of this season back on February 1st, 69-66 at Purcell Pavilion. And I'll have more on the Notre Dame women's matchup at 6 o'clock. You'll hear from Fighting Irish guard Dara Mabry at uh, a little after 6 as well. Well, and a big weekend. It, of course, is state championship weekend in Indiana for high schools. Good luck to Mishawaka, Marion Boys Basketball. The Knights play Beach Grove tomorrow night, 6 o'clock in the 3A state championship game. Lieberman moves it to the right half. Walter Graham Slagert, 38 to go on the power play. Graham takes a shot. He scores! Graham Slagert wins it from the right half wall over the blocker of Driscoll. 
and that's a Fighting Irish Overtime NCAA Tournament winner! Nail-biter for Notre Dame hockey last night. The Fighting Irish clinched a spot in the NCAA Tournament Albany Regional with that 2-1 overtime win over second-seeded North Dakota last night. Darren Pritchett had the call on our sister station, Z94.3 FM, the Notre Dame Radio Network. Graham Slagger sealed the overtime win with a game-winning goal. Just a minute 38 into the extra period, his brother Landon Slaggart uh, scored the first goal of the night. So the two Slaggarts, son of Fighting Irish assistant coach, uh, with the two goals last night for Notre Dame. Some controversy earlier in that game. Notre Dame looked like they had the game uh, won with under a second left in regulation. 13 minutes, from what I understand. 13-minute replay review. I cannot even imagine. The call on the ice was finally overturned. Sounded like different camera angles appeared to show different results and so the goal was ultimately overturned. They go to overtime, and again, it only took a minute 38. Fortunately for the Irish, they come out on top. And so now Notre Dame plays Minnesota State tomorrow night in Albany, 6.30 tomorrow night with a spot in the Frozen Four on the line. This year's prize in Frozen Four is uh, in Boston, and uh, the Irish have been to four previous Frozen Fours under head coach Jeff Jackson. The last one was in 2018 so good luck to them hopefully things work out tomorrow night and again that is not too far from where we are albany new york kind of on that uh that uh, eastern border of uh of new york not too far from connecticut they uh they actually host some uh, ncaa women's regionals up there periodically they kind of rotate back and forth between bridgeport and albany a little bit to uh to cater to the yukon crowd Surprise, surprise. Uh, but again, we've got, I'll have more. I've got Dara Mabry coming up. Uh, you'll hear from her later in the show. A little after 6 o'clock, she and uh, Olivia Miles had the two biggest weekends for Notre Dame women last week in those wins over UMass and Oklahoma in the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament and in action bright and early tomorrow morning. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll have a Notre Dame football recruiting update. Christian McCollum from Irish Sports Daily com will join me. We'll do that. Jim Irizarry, who's in the studio with us tonight, he has got a uh, my five sports wagering uh, bets for you coming up a little bit after that. The Dara Mabry interview after six o'clock, and then Vince is going to join me ooh, about an hour or so from now. We'll hit rapid fire over the last couple of segments of the show, leading you up and into NCAA Sweet Sixteen action. Tonight, starting off with Purdue against St. Peter's. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Tim Ground State Farm Insurance, save money on home and auto insurance with Tim, serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 232-9981. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. The Mishawaka Education Foundation. Granting a better future and Wings Etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. 
a timeout and then back with that Notre Dame football recruiting update with Christian McCollum from irishsportsdaily.com. That is next on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Well, we usually talk to Christian McCollum from irishsportsdaily.com on Thursday. Didn't get a chance to talk to him last week because we had, of course, March Madness and NCAA tournament games going on all day, Thursday and Friday last week. And with me traveling out here to Bridgeport yesterday, wanted to be sure to uh, to get him on this week because there's plenty of recruiting stuff going on. Correct, Christian? Yeah, busy time. <laughs> you know, the dead period is over for, for the month of February, and it's been a really, really busy month so far for Notre Dame recruiting. Absolutely. And let, let's let's just start with the pot of gold day. It was St. Patrick's Day, the first day of spring practice last week as well. Kind of, you know, give everyone a refresher on what it is and, uh, you know, what the Irish did for that, the pot of gold day this year. Yeah, so a few years back, Notre Dame decided to kind of use, you know, St. Patrick's Day as a, a, a opportunity to kind of really brand their, you know, fighting Irish and kind of right. own the day, right? For St. Patrick's Day, they own the day. And they used to just like send out like 100 postcards to each kid, just like overwhelm them with attention. And as someone who is no longer as young as I think I am, um, to me, it was confusing. Like, okay, all right. Yeah. Like, you know, okay, you got a hundred postcards, like, but the kids loved it. Right. So I would joke around with my own buddies. Like, I don't know why, but the kids love it. Huh. But this year they kind of, you know, they changed it up a little bit and it's a little bit more meaningful where rather than just overwhelming their top targets with, you know, a bunch of pieces of mail, you know, everything's becoming digital now, obviously. So they, they sent out a guys, a lot of, you know, cool graphics, that kind of stuff. And they really, what they did is send out a lot of offers to top guys in the 2024 class. And that's something that's really more meaningful, in my opinion, than get a whole bunch of pieces of mail. Of course, part of the balance there is waiting till St. Patrick's Day to offer a boatload of these kids that you True. know you're going to offer, right? You, you know, these guys are, a lot of these guys are top level guys. And, you know, you could probably look back at least January, February and know these are guys that are offer worthy but they're going to hold back until St. Patrick's Day to make a big splash and give credit to Notre Dame staff. They did a very good job communicating with the vast majority of these kids ahead of time, building relationships, kind of dropping hints along the way. You know, St. Patrick's Day is a special day around here for what we do um, and kind of just like letting them know that we also have a process. We don't just throw out offers just because any kids, you know, good. We like to get to know them before we do it. So they really coordinated that very well. And all the kids that I spoke to, they really appreciated that. And they were honored to be part of that, like included in that special day. And, and they, like I said, they really appreciate the fact that Notre Dame does its due, due diligence before just flying out an offer to anybody. Sure. So, and the organization that goes into this is extremely impressive. I mean, you're talking about uh, probably close to 100 kids that can't you can't call them. Notre Dame can't call them directly and just offer. So you got to coordinate that where the kid's going to call a coach or or you get on the phone with the high school coach and he passes the message along, whatever. And this all has to be done at a certain time. You can't have every kid in the East Coast calling up at 305. Um, so, you know, everything that goes into that behind the scenes um, is super impressive. I think it kind of gets overlooked at times. Uh, but give Notre Dame credit, you know, 
it's very, very few programs in the country that can really put their stamp on an individual day and own that day in recruiting, and Notre Dame pulled it off again. Well, it, you know, one of the things that Marcus Freeman talked about at the press conference, I guess it was last month when he introduced all the new assistants, there's this emphasis on recruiting and everyone's got to be, you know, into recruiting and, you know, pull their weight and all that different stuff. But he also said there's no recruiting coordinator so like to pull off these kind of events with no one really see you know I don't know you know if you've kind of heard like who's you know if there's anyone sort of directing any of this but that kind of makes it even more impressive I think the fact that there isn't at least someone with that title right now. yeah Notre Dame they have you know Chad Bowden's really the director of football recruiting right now okay. he kind of serves that title and ter- instead of having a, a position you know staff member on the position have that you know kind of title and that's always kind of been what the recruiting coordinator position has been I I think there was this misnomer back in the day where you know your best recruiter is a recruiting coordinator and it's not really the way it works now a lot of times those things are aligned because the guy who's going to be like really good at organizing this stuff is also really good at recruiting or it takes a real interest in it um and chad is obviously not an on-field position coach but we've talked about him before man that guy and you know you people would call him a secret weapon but he's not even a secret i mean he's <laughs> really really dialed into all this stuff and you know, he, him and his staff, I know he has people that he works with, they really, really do a good job and deserve a lot of credit for for pulling these kind of things off. All right. Well, let's talk about a few specific guys then because there were some major visits last weekend, including a couple of top 2023 wide receiver targets uh, at, at a position of priority for this program right now. One guy who got a lot of, a lot of attention is Texas wide receiver Braylon James, he did visit. So, how did the visit go, and where are the Irish with him right now? Yeah, anybody that's been on Irish Sports Daily at all recently knows that you know we really like Notre Dame here. I think we've talked about it before, but um, we have some contacts down in Texas that we're really close with, and, and they were reaching out to us multiple times to let us know, hey. Braylon's coming up there, and this is a really serious visit. They're taking this real serious. Um, we also spoke to some people close to Braylon who reiterated that. You know, He brought his whole family up with him. Hmm. They, they made a kind of a little mini vacation out of it. They stayed in Chicago for a few days. They were in Chicago on St. Patrick's Day before coming down on Friday. And there was, I was told that you know they wouldn't do that if it wasn't a serious visit. Um, they came down Friday, told that everything basically blew them away. Um, you know, Marcus Freeman, we mentioned Chad Bowden. They made huge impressions on them. They like everything that's going on with that program. Uh, you know, Chancey Stuckey has a relationship that dates back with him to Stuckey's time at Baylor. I'm not sure that that was his time at Baylor was as key as maybe some people thought, but it's definitely someone he knew, and he's definitely made a huge impression now. Uh, but more than anything, it's that blend of a- athletics and academics that Notre Dame always going to preach, and it hits home with some people more than others. And it's really, really hitting home with, uh, you know, James and his family. Um, you know, some people have hinted that this could be, you know, almost over. Like Notre Dame could have a lead that's, you know, Man. too great for anybody to catch. I'm not sure if it's that yet. I think there's a couple more visits that he'll probably take. Uh, but, you know, they, calling the lead substantial right now for Notre Dame, <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. Man, that's uh, pretty impressive. Then again, uh, you know, an impressive wide receiver in an area of uh, real priority for Notre Dame in this program right now, the wide receivers, obviously. Christian McCollum with us from irishsportsdaily.com, our Notre Dame football recruiting segment for the week. And there's another top 2023 wide receiver target who is on campus, Carnell Tate. How'd that trip go, and where do the Irish stand with him? 
Yeah, Tate's a, a name that you know has been talked about in recruiting circles for Notre Dame for a very long time now, and he seemed to be close to almost closing you know things up last fall. He talked about wanting to make a decision kind of like in the October region area, and it was it was going to be like right after he visited Notre Dame, and Notre Dame was in a strong position, uh, but ultimately he held back. And in the interim, it's allowed other schools to get in the race, perhaps most notably Ohio State, which obviously does a great job recruiting. And Notre Dame seemed to kind of trickle a little bit, definitely away from you know clear frontrunner status to kind of on par with a lot of the other schools and maybe even behind Ohio State. Um, but he got back to campus earlier this month, and both sides kind of got a chance to reconnect. I feel like they kind of you know were able to open up and get to know each other a little bit better. Um, as we mentioned, Coach Stuckey obviously is new. Good for those two sides to meet, uh, kind of get a sense of who each other were. And also, you know, I, uh, Tate's mom was with him. And I was told that was a big thing. That was a real key. Um, they both seemed very comfortable while they were on campus and around the people, which is huge. Um, so I get the sense that Notre Dame feels like it's back in the race now with Tate. And, and now this is a legit elite level target, right? This will be, if, if Notre Dame were to land Carnell Tate, he'd be one of the top players in the class, regardless of who else they bring in. And, and it's one of those things where looking back in hindsight, you know, it's almost good he didn't commit in the fall because no one was going to stop chasing this kid if he would have committed to Notre Dame last October. They were all going to keep coming after him. And then the, the coaching change, that whole turmoil could have, you know, led him astray and he goes another yeah. way. Where sometimes those decommitments are hard to regain. Um, where if, you know, if something like that's going to happen, you almost rather him hold off. Um, you know, obviously, if he would have stuck, it would be great to have. Um, but he's another guy. We mentioned this before. Really close with Dante Moore. Um, the quarterback they're recruiting. So uh, Notre Dame is, is trending in a positive direction with Carnell Tate. We'll have to see how you know how far they can take it. Well, let's just do a mandatory quarterback question then since you brought up Dante Moore because the chase seemed to be kind of narrowed down to two quarterbacks for 2023, Moore and Christopher Vizina. And now it, it sounds like it's sort of narrowing down with maybe Moore getting all of the attention. Is that kind of the way it seems to be going for you? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, there was a, a few quarterbacks Notre Dame went after, and then it kind of crystallized around Moore and Vizina. And now, like you said, it's kind of been kind of the focus has been on Dante Moore. Um, you know, we've talked about him before in terms of his timeline, right? He understands that the quarterback position, they're only taking one for the most part. And these elite guys are really only taking, you're only going to be at a place where there's one elite guy. So as these other quarterbacks start, you know, the term we've heard is dominoes falling. Um, it's almost like a game of musical chairs where if you know where you want to go, if you're pretty sure you know where you want to go, you better make sure you get a, you know, a chair. Um, so <laughs> he, but he, you know, to his credit, he's also doing his due diligence. You don't want to get these guys in committed and then have them, you know, continue to look around and maybe, you know, hard feelings happen, but he's down. He was, he was down the South earlier this week. He took a bus tour and he hit Florida, Florida state, Georgia, Auburn hmm. and Miami um, as part of a tour with a bunch of other prospects. And he also hit LSU earlier this uh, month. I heard Florida and Miami, Miami, Dating back, he's he's been to Miami several times. Dating back to when he's a middle schooler, um, in Florida, have his attention. But I don't know people I trust down in that area. They they don't really see it. Um, LSU. I talked to a guy at LSU, and he he almost forgot Dante Moore even visited LSU, and that was just a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Wow. So I don't really see them as a threat. That being said, you know all these schools want him, right? So they all want him. No one's going to give up on him. 
but for various reasons, you know, I, I still see this one ending up Notre Dame's way in the end. All right. Well, let's talk about defense real quick then before we kind of wrap things up today. Um, another 2023 guy, linebacker Jaden Osbury. He was in town last weekend as well. So coming out of that trip, what are things looking like for the Irish and Osbury right now? Yeah, Jaden's a really mature young man. Now, his dad was a standout player at LSU, and his dad's now an executive in the LSU athletics department, right? Hmm. The kid goes to University Lab, which is like literally across the street from LSU. I mean, that you can walk there. Um, you know, brother Austin, just a 2022 prospect defensive back, just went through the process this past cycle. And everybody was like, well, these kids are both going to LSU. They're going to play together. They're going to LSU. I shouldn't say everybody because there's a lot of people that would say that's what everybody thinks, dot, dot, dot. But <laughs> um, so it was like and, and a lot of what we were hearing back then, even a year ago, was like, yeah, LSU is probably the favorite. But from what I hear, Notre Dame's is one of the schools that will get their attention. Now, those kids both visited Notre Dame last summer, uh, both brothers, like basically it was one of their first trips. It might have been their very first trip of the summer. So that kind of said, all right, there's really something here. They both loved it. They both got offered by Freeman that day. They said they'd come back. Um, now, Austin ended up committing to Auburn. So that shows you that this LSU thing is not necessarily a done deal. Um, you know, so Jaden visited Notre Dame last week. Um, you know, and this was a trip that was intentionally rescheduled from January. He was initially planning to come for the junior day, but he intentionally rescheduled it so that he could come this month. So he'd have more time with the coaching staff. You know, some of these things, you know, my boss, Mike Franks likes to say, follow the actions, not the, the words. You know, these, these are kind of things that you don't really do if you're not really serious about a school. Right. So he, he got there. He spent a lot of time with uh, Marcus Freeman, a lot of time with Al Washington. Those are two of his favorite coaches, have been two of his favorite coaches for a very long time. Um, so he, he And I asked him, what was it like, the difference between you know when you were there in the summer and now? And he just told me the vibe is completely different. You know, He said there's people are just more happy. Everyone's ecstatic. Um, so he really just likes everything that's going on with, with Notre Dame. And Notre Dame told him, Listen, we want you. There's only a couple spots left. You know, they've already got some big-time linebackers committed. They want him to be in the class. It seems like both sides understand the timing of that. Jaden wants to take a visit to Auburn, take a visit to Miami, and then come back to Notre Dame for an official in the summer, and he hopes to have a, a decision before his senior season. I'm sure he, you know, let Notre Dame know that timeline. And Notre Dame, if he gets back in the summer, I'm sure they're going to try to close him then. Um, but we'll see. You know, I think that he's a kid that they really, really like enough that they will be willing to work with. You know, but like I said, with uh, we were talking about Dante. You know, sometimes these numbers get tight. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, I, I really do like Notre Dame's chances here. All right, real good. A lot of uh, promising stuff. It sounds like out on the recruiting trail for Notre Dame right now. Christian McCollum from IrishSportsDaily.com. What else is going on there right now, Christian? Yeah, so check out, you know, every Friday we release um, our ISD Intel. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot more information will be in there Friday um, on, in terms of, you know, Dante Moore, Braylon James, um, all those guys that, you know, Notre Dame has been really, really going in on. Um, we're going to have some stuff on Monroe Freeling, uh, one of the top 23 offensive linemen in the class. Um, so get over there and check that out. And then we continue to, you know, pump out video content with Jamie Uyama and Greg Fumong. Um, John Bryce, Matt Freeman, Mike Frank all do a great job covering their various beats. All right. Sounds good.
Great stuff as always, Christian. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Sean. All right, absolutely. Christian McCollum, irishsportsdaily.com. We'll take a time out. More Budweiser's weekday sports beat is coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the My Five Question of the Day. Can you dig it? On Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Well, the, uh, the Jim Irizarry sports wagering picks were so popular two weeks ago. We skipped a week and then brought them back this week. Let me, uh, let me go back and look at how good they were. Hang on a sec. <laughs> of course, we didn't have a show a week ago today. That's why. So that's why we skipped oh. a week. Otherwise, we would have brought them back even sooner. So, Sure. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. I mean, I, 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 mean I, I know it's got to blur together for you the way it does for me, so you know what I'm talking about. Oh my about. god! Ugh. So, all this, right, we've this got. This has been a week. So. Yeah, no kidding. Jim's been doing double duty because with Darren on the road with Notre Dame hockey and Sports Beat AM, Jim has been getting up in the morning to push buttons at the station for Darren. Yep. Uh, well, so he can do his show from his Albany hotel room and. Of course, that means Jim was up this morning doing that. Now he's here with me right now. So, yes. Yes, sports I am. wagering. Let's. What's your What's your number five sports wagering pick for this weekend? Fueled by Red Bull or whatever energy drink is sponsoring us this week. <laughs> That's uh, right. St. Peter's and Purdue. Uh, I like St. Peter's plus twelve and a half. Not saying that Purdue's not going to win this game, but I yeah. think St. Peter's. You know. They're really well coached. Uh, they've also been really good defensively. And some gambling numbers for you, too. 9-0 and straight up and against the spread in their last nine games. Wow. Holy so, cow. Uh, that, of Bo- course, <laughs> includes a win over Kentucky. Right, right. <laughs> uh, Boilermakers are 2-10 and against the spread in their last 12. Sure. Lopsided, like I know. But this game's going to be closer than the spread. So St. Peter's plus 12.5 is uh, yeah, they, number uh, five. They defend the three well, and they like to yeah. kind of slow things down. So, yeah, I I would not disagree with what you're saying. I do think Purdue wins ultimately, but I, I think that St. Peter's can ugly you up a little bit. Yep. Too. Yep. All right, what's your number four? Number four, North Carolina and UCLA. I like UCLA minus two. I'm playing uh, UCLA both on the spread and the money line, actually. Uh, Bruins 27-7 and despite Johnny Juzang missing five games, Cody Riley missing ten, Tiger Campbell missing three, so on down on down their roster. Now, Jaime Jaquez is dealing with, a, uh, with an ankle injury. That's 14 points per game, almost six rebounds per game, too. He'll probably like it uh, probably gut it out but if he can't play they've got good depth they've got Peyton Watson they've got Jalen Clark look for the Bruins to uh, stay dominant in the, especially in the second half uh, they held St. Mary's to 27 points in the second half in their last game yeah. out ha yeah, exactly uh, they're gonna they're cool. that they're the West Coast team that can play some defense yeah exactly they uh, they're gonna cool off the uh, the red hot Tar Heels Tar Heels are suspect defensively too they've been allowing an average of 79 points in 12 games versus uh, NCAA tournament teams this season. Uh, and they struggle in the mid-range game, which is a UCLA staple. So UCLA yep. money line straight up and also on the spread minus two. Okay, I like that. I'm, I th- I'm, I'm in step with you so far on your first two. So what's number three? All right. The game nobody saw coming, Iowa State and Miami. <laughs> Whew. Yeah, boy. The, uh, 
very... I, th I think this is the matchup that has basically caused me to flush all of my brackets. Uh, I like Miami <laughs> minus two and a half. I didn't expect the Cyclones to even make it out of the first round, let alone making it to the second weekend. They played two defensive-oriented teams, and now they have to face the Hurricanes, who are very offensively oriented. Hurricanes are 5-1 and one straight up and against the spread in their last six. That spread, a little bit too low, so lay the points, uh, Miami minus 2.5. Miami minus 2.5. I think I like that, too. I like Miami in this game. It's it's like both of these teams are kind of hard to figure when you've got double-digit seeds this far along now. Yeah. So. yeah. I was, I, but I was shocked. I, like, doing the research for that game, I was like, Iowa State only won two games last year? Holy cow. Yeah. So, unbelievable yep. year Big for turnaround. that. So. Big turnaround, for sure. All right, what's number two? Number two, one of the games tomorrow night, Arkansas versus Duke. I like Arkansas plus four. Razorbacks have covered five Love straight it. as underdogs. And uh, I, I like that to continue tomorrow. Blue Devils, they staged an offensive masterpiece down the stretch against Texas Tech, who was they did. All, over the all over the place defensively. Just on them all game until like the last five minutes. Uh, that kind of performance, though, difficult to repeat, especially against another elite defense. Arkansas can run with Duke. Just straight up. J.D. Note, uh, just hugely efficient in, in, uh, in his last game, too. 19 of 63 in the tournament. Grab the points here. Arkansas plus four versus Duke tomorrow. I hope I, I hope it turns out the way you're saying. Now, you're saying, you're, you know, your you're points, so you're not saying straight up, but I think it's going to be a close game either. I really hope. I, I, I hope it's straight up. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I would love for it to be straight up just to destroy the uh, the narrative of, you know, the, the Coach K love-in that we've got going on on, on CBS and, the, and TBS. So, ugh. Well, I mean, you knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Though. Especially, you know, you got Grant Hill sitting there with Jim Nance yeah. and all that. It, so. doesn't, it doesn't make it any better. <laughs> so. No, you're right about that. You're right so. about that. All right. What's your number one sports wagering pick for the weekend? All right. IU fans, cover your ears. Houston, minus two versus Villanova. <laughs> Another suffocating defense here. They like Arizona's good on offense, and they gave them fits last night. And yep. now they're going to shut down Villanova's three-point attack, I think. Uh, Houston benefits. It's damn near home court, home court really. Uh, the Alamo Dome, just three hours from campus. Wildcats That's covered true. versus Michigan. Uh, the Wolverines shot 50% on free throws and missed just a ton, a ton of layups. Uh, when Nova faced St. John's full-court press, the Wildcats turned it over 13 times and escaped with a one-point win against St. Right. John's. Okay? Uh, All right. Back to continually underrated Cougars. I have no idea how they're a five-seed, by the way, in this tournament. I That blows my mind, too. Uh, Cougars make their second straight Final Four and cover. Minus two. Houston over Villanova. All right, all right, we're we're pretty much lockstep. Your picks are kind of the way all right. that I want them to go anyway. Right, you know, but you know, the only one, like you said, you have St. Peter's covering against Purdue. Purdue winning tonight. I think mm -hmm. that that could very well happen as well. All right, great stuff, Jim. We will take a timeout. We come back. Jim's got a Sports Center update. Hour two of Budweiser's weekday sports beat. You'll hear from Notre Dame women's basketball player Dara Mabry, and Vince will join me for Rapid Fire. That's all coming up on WSBT. You're listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat with Sean Styers on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. 
second hour of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Big. Glad to have you with us for tonight. Hope you're getting ready for a great weekend. We've got Sweet 16 basketball starting exactly an hour from now. Third seed Purdue, 15 seed St. Peter's. That is coming up here on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Jim Irizarry manning things in the studio tonight. Vince is going to be along for rapid fire in a little bit. I am in Stamford, Connecticut. Just a stone's throw away from Long Island. If you look out, uh, well, I was about to say if you look out my window, I'm in downtown Stanford, so I can't see anything other than some buildings around. But uh, we're not far from New York, so we're kind of between Bridgeport and New York City. The game's being played at Total Mortgage Arena tomorrow morning, Notre Dame and North Carolina State in the Sweet 16. The Fighting Irish are the number five seed in the Bridgeport region. North Carolina State is the number one seed, Notre Dame making its 18th overall trip to the Sweet 16, and they have made it to at least the Sweet 16 the last 10 times they have been in the NCAA tournament, and uh, most of those appearances have ended in Final Fours, and this is the fourth consecutive Sweet 16 for North Carolina State. They trounced Kansas State 89-57 to Monday, and speaking of trouncing, Though Notre Dame trounced four seed Oklahoma 108 to 64 last Monday on OU's home court in Norman, the 108 points, the most scored in a tournament game in program history for the Fighting Irish. That's saying something considering the program history that they have. They're also the first team in men's or women's tournament history to beat a better seeded team by 40 plus points in a tournament game. Olivia Miles. Triple-double in the opener against UMass. A total of 23 assists in the two games last week. And Dara Mabry with 12 three-pointers in two games, including a uh, new season-high seven in that win over Oklahoma. And she hit five of those three-pointers in 17 points in the first quarter alone. But I talked with Dara earlier this week here on Sportsbeat. Let's hear that conversation right now. How would you describe the weekend you and your teammates just had down there in Norman? Oh, my gosh. Um, it was spectacular. We're really grateful um, and we're confident, but we also know at the same time um, our hard work is paying off. We worked really hard throughout the summer and in our off offseason uh, to build a really strong team on and off the court, and the chemistry was clicking and the ball was going in, and that was just a product of uh, all the hard work that we put in. So. We celebrate our victory, um, and we're really happy, but we know that we have more work to do, and we're not done yet. Yep, and we'll talk about that here in uh, in just a second. But, I mean, Oklahoma, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, and that's one thing that's kind of given you guys some troubles this year is is defending the three. A lot of that has to do, you know, with you play a lot of 2-3 zone and, and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, it's one thing to have a game plan, but it's another thing to be able to right. execute it <laughs> to perfection yeah. the way you were able to do. How were you How were you able to do that last night? Yeah. Uh, March is a different ball game, and we knew that whatever we were going to do, whether that was going to be man or our 2-3 zone, we were going to have to find shooters. Uh, give credit to Oklahoma. They have multiple players on the floor at all times uh, that can really shoot the ball exceptionally. Um, but we made that a point of emphasis uh, in transition to find shooters and always have a high hand, um, whether that's defending the ball or switching on a ball screen. Um, but that takes that takes maturity and discipline in order to execute a game plan against a hard team like that. So I'm really proud of this group. Is that, I mean, 
it, it, just flat out, is that the best game that this team has ever played? You know, that you've been on here? Yes, I would say so. Do you think that after the the job that you did playing that man to man, do you think you guys could could do more of that if if you know the situation calls for it? Yes, for sure. We just have to put our minds to it like we did. We're so capable of it. It's just a matter of uh, putting your mind to it. And we all just had this mindset that in order to get into our bread and butter um, and get the buckets that we want in transition, we needed to get stops, and we did that. You personally, 17 points and five three-pointers. That's not Now, that's not for the game. That's the first quarter of last night. Yeah. But that's basically a game's worth. In the first quarter alone, you ended up with 29 overall, but have you ever even had a quarter like that before? No, never. Uh, I think the the quarter that was closest to that was the one here against Fordham, but those were other right. kind of buckets. Um, they weren't three-pointers, so that, that was pretty cool. Well, and I think it was it was your third or fourth three. I'm, I can't, I'm trying to remember which one it was. You were, on, you were over on the right wing, and you were kind of – you went up and you were off balance and you had all these hands in your face and you kind of chucked oh, it up yeah. and it banked in when you, when you, when you hit a shot like that, are you just like, yeah, this, this is, this is my night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at that point you, you just, you know, as a shooter, you put in a lot of work um, in practice and outside of practice and you got to have the confidence to shoot it. But once you see the ball go in the net um, and you're confident, you're going to keep letting it fly. And that's exactly what I did. And, even that bank shot, when I let that go, I had no idea like what the outcome was going to be. Mm-hmm. But I think when, when you have confidence like that, it's just the way the world works. The ball is going to find the net for you somehow, some way, <laughs> but it just happened to use the backboard that time. You hit 12 three-pointers in the two games combined, five against UMass, seven last night, and the seven, of course, is, is a new season high for you, and the 29 is points that you ended up with is a new season high. But the 12 threes – that's as many as you had in the previous nine games combined. How, as a shooter like you, how does the switch, how are you able to flip it so quickly like that? Yeah, uh, I think as a shooter, you know, when you go through a couple of games and you miss some shots that you would have liked to make, the only way you're going to make the next one is if you keep taking them. Um, and a lot of times you see people miss a few and then shy away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's the case because I, I believe in my shooting abilities. and I know how much it can help my team. So I'd be doing my team a disadvantage, you know, if I didn't keep shooting the ball um, hot or not. So I, I think, yeah. Dara Mabry with us from the Notre Dame women's basketball team headed to the Sweet 16 coming up this weekend, Saturday, against North Carolina State. Well, and I mean, you're really confident. But did you ever doubt yourself at all, you know, when those shots weren't going in the way you wanted them to? No, you never can. Uh, the second you start doing that, you'll be doomed. Um, so, like I said before, the only way you're going to make the next one is if you take it. Olivia Miles, triple-double Saturday, your point guard, freshman point guard, 25 total assists yeah. in two games. What's it like playing with her this year? That's an element that you obviously – didn't have last year you were asked to play the point because you you guys didn't necessarily have a true point guard last year right um oh my gosh I'm trying to think of the word to even describe Olivia's game (laughs) uh if you ever get a chance to play with Olivia Miles you better have your hands ready and uh your eyes and hands ready um because she has multiple sets of eyes you know she just her vision is 
something I've never seen before. And she's only a freshman. So her ceiling is just, I don't even think she has one. There's no ceiling for her. Um, and she's going to continue to get better. And she, what's really great about her is that she knows her teammates so well um, that she puts you in a position, your position specifically, she puts you um, in a good place to succeed by getting you shots, by getting your shots at the right time um, in a good spot. And it's been amazing playing with her. I'm really thankful for her. There's no way I could have made all those threes without her. Well, it did it seem like, just sitting where I sit, it seemed like she was kind of at a different level this weekend, just sort of like locked in. Did it feel that way to you? Yeah, and it felt that way around the whole team. You felt really? it uh, from each and every player, not just Olivia. Um, yeah, I, I felt it, of course, from her. I feel it from her every game. But, you know, I think it's March, and and I can speak on that from for other teams as well. It's just a different ball game. Well, Nobody wants to stop dancing. And you were, you know, two weeks ago, you fall to Miami in the ACC semifinals earlier than you would have liked, obviously. But you've got two weeks in between games. What were those weeks like? You know, the, the that that gap in between ACC tournament and NCAA tournament this past weekend. Yeah, they were really intense. We did a good job. Uh, our coaching staff did a good job of. Uh, getting us better in the areas that we really needed uh, to improve, but also being smart and giving us a chance to rest our bodies at the same time. So we had a really good balance of that. Um, we threw a team dinner in there to, you know, just keep building, um, talk about the things that we think we need to do. Um, we focused on defense, man and zone, and just some areas that we needed to fix and just getting back to our bread and butter and getting the shots that we want because we want to play at a fast pace, so we practice that a lot too. Well, and the roster's been pretty thin for a while, and you talked about the rest. Just two players had been coming off the bench for about, what, about like the last month and a half before Abby Prohaska right. got back. It, I, I just, I mean, you touched on it, but that extra time, I mean, you can go hard and practice, but that extra time has to help you, you know, kind of get healthy and get the legs right and all that different kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, it's, re it's really important, uh, and our team does a really good job of taking it seriously and understanding that as much as we need to be in the gym at this point in March, you need to be smart and get a lot of sleep and rest your body at the same time. Um, we credit our athletic trainer, Ann Marquez. She's constantly doing whatever she can to right. help us um, here on campus and on the road especially. And I imagine getting Abby back, you know, because she does some good things defensively, that had to be a plus for you as well to have – an extra person who can come out and, and give you some minutes like that. Oh my God. Yeah. Abby is definitely one of a kind. Um, there's not a lot of players like her <laughs> that can just go out there, sacrifice their bodies, um, especially coming off of an injury um, and, and doing whatever it takes for the team to win. She's extremely selfless and she just brings this fire uh, that's unmatched a lot um, in her offensive opponents. Um, and then she also showed some confidence offensively. She knocked down her mid-range. She took it to the basket. Um, like I said before, everyone was confident, and Ab Abby brings an extra spark uh, that is, is greatly appreciated by all of us. I wanted to ask you about Maya Dodson, too, another big addition to this year's team. And I, I still feel like, you know, just kind of looking at some of the accolades and write-ups and those kind of things, like she's one of the more underrated posts around what what's her presence in the paint brought to you guys as a team this year oh yeah Maya saves our butts uh, whenever <laughs> we get whenever we get beat off the dribble but she's so underrated and she definitely doesn't get all the credit um 
but it, I've never seen somebody block a shot like that before uh, that I've played with. It just goes flying into the stands, and then sometimes uh-huh. she even goes she, she even goes and gets it after. It's like unbelievable, like just having someone on your team that you can just watch literally soar over you at times so gracefully. Um, but that's not all she does, you know. She hits the mid range, she drives it. Um, she's she's unguardable in so many areas of her game, uh, and she's she's just been a great person to play with um, and build a relationship with, especially you know as a older older teammate, um, another captain on the team. She's she's been great, and I definitely agree with you on that. She doesn't get enough credit for everything that she does. In the Sweet 16 now this weekend, but the standard of this program obviously isn't Sweet 16s, it's Final Fours and and championships. So what would it mean? This is your first NCAA tournament experience now as as a senior. What would it mean for you to be playing in a Final Four in a couple of weeks? Oh, wow. Um, It would mean everything. But like I said before, it would also show um, all the hard work and dedication that this team has put uh, into the program. And putting ourselves behind just for the betterment of the team. Um, I would love to do that here at this university with this program and this family, um, especially my sister as well. Um, I don't know. Sometimes when you're caught up in the moment, you don't realize like how much you truly appreciate it. But I think as I've grown and as a senior, I've uh, grown a deeper appreciation for this, for this game. And that is our final goal. And we've been, trying any and everything uh, to do that, just playing our hardest every single possession, really trying to get down uh, to the national championship. And it would be unbelievable, a dream come true, if I could do that at this university with this team. Well, and I was just talking about COVID years a minute ago. Now, you're a senior, but you've got the COVID year. You're planning on coming back next year. Is that right? Yes, correct. All right. All right. Awesome. Have you thought about, you know, like grad classes and all that? Are you going to wait on that? Yes, um, I got into the Masters of Nonprofit Administration here oh, cool. uh, at Mendoza, so I'll be doing that next year. Okay, yeah. all right. Dara Mabry, Notre Dame women's basketball team, 29 points in the win over Oklahoma last night, 12 three-pointers in two games this weekend, and she and the Fighting Irish taking on North Carolina State in the Sweet 16 in Bridgeport this Saturday morning, 11.30 a.m. tip-off. I think that's going to be your earliest tip-off of the season, eleven thirty a.m. So, yeah. All right, and we've got the action on live ninety nine point nine FM. Dara, thanks as always. Great season so far, and uh, good luck this weekend. We'll see you there. Thank you so much for having me. Go Irish. Dara Mabry, and of course that was from earlier this week. That was from Tuesday after Monday night's win over Oklahoma. And again, tip off tomorrow morning at eleven thirty on live ninety nine point nine FM. M. Karen Keyes will be with me in Bridgeport, and we will have the pregame starting at around 11.15. So we've got that coming up tomorrow morning here in Connecticut. Time out, and then Vince D'Addario will be with me for Rapid Fire on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Meet. Who wants to have some fun? Rapid Fire starts now on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. And now your host, Sean Styers. Along with Vince D'Addario, it is rapid fire time as we uh, shoot closer to the weekend. NCAA tournament basketball coming up at the top of the hour. Vince Pro Day today. Fill in the blank on this first one. Karen Williams Pro Day results today mean blank for him. 
Well, I, I believe he, he was a little bit better uh, at the pro day than he was at the combine. Am I accurate he was. on that? Okay. Yes, he ran a just yeah, – I talked about it in the first hour, but just okay. so everybody knows, he ran a 4.5440 today uh, compared to a 4.65 at the combine earlier this month. So Big a little difference. bit more okay. – yeah, a little bit more than a tenth of a second better. I think what his goal should have been for the pro day, his goal should have been, look, I, I need to do enough where people are not going to worry about these numbers anymore and they're going to turn the film back on. Like, that that's what he needs. It, it needs to be, like, his combine numbers are like, oh, like, those are kind of disturbing numbers. But now I think those the numbers are where, like, in the green area. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, okay, that's about what we anticipated. Let's analyze the film. And if he can get... NFL people to analyze the film, that's only going to help him, if that makes sense. No, I mean, that's absolutely right, because, you know, he didn't do the other stuff, the three-cone and all those different things. He only ran the 40. It's, it's just amazing, though, like when you sit and think about, you know, the difference of three-tenths of a second, you know, like the guys <laughs> in the four threes compared to 4.6. Like, it seems like a huge number, but it's not like – Four seconds to six seconds. We're literally talking about tenths of a second. And then we start. To the naked eye, you probably wouldn't even be able to tell. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, this is still, you know, fairly fast. But you're right. I mean, I, I think that by getting it, you know, into those four fives, you know, I, would, would he have loved, you know, a four, four, nine? I mean, I think he would have probably been doing cartwheels if he had a four, oh, four, yeah. nine. But again, then you, you're, we're still the, then talking about hundreds of a second, you know, the difference there to get down to that four, five, nine compared to the four, five, four where he was. But you're absolutely right. It's like, it's not like the guy is slow. He can still move. And I think you're right. It, it, it redirects things now back to, okay, can this guy play football? Or not, because there there are plenty of guys who didn't run four threes and four fours who are playing in the NFL. You know, speed still matters in the NFL, but I, I think now you go back and go, can, can this guy play football or not? Because that's all that matters, and the and we all know that Karen Williams can play football. So it was a it was a good day for him to you yeah. know to to at least get that forty time down. Can the is the forty time overrated? Probably, but again, yeah. you still yeah. you still have to know. When you're talking about college to NFL, can these guys move or not? And, you know, he showed that he, he's not slow, you know, quote unquote. Right. And it's all measurables. I mean, every piece of information that you can get about a, you know, a recruit or about a prospect, those are, it's all data points, right? And you should never lean too much on one or the other, but they're all mm -hmm. data points that you can compare and contrast from one guy to the next. And so, I, I mean, I, they're important. But you can't lean on them too much because then you That's get right. into trouble. That's right. And, uh, again, for those maybe who weren't listening in the first hour of the show, uh, Kyron Williams went from a 4.65 to at the Combine to a 4.54 today. Kyle Hamilton dropped his time just a little bit, not quite as much. He went from a 4.59 to a 4.56. So Kyron Williams had even a little bit better than that. But, you know, Kyle Hamilton with his uh, – you know, the, the, he – they both did do the broad jump and uh, the vertical, and both of them turned in the exact same numbers they did in both <laughs> of them. And Kyron Williams a little bit, you know, he's still, you know, like you would still consider this guy fairly explosive, and he didn't have great numbers in, in the broad or vertical, which to me I think is a little bit baffling, you know, just considering what everybody else, you know, the way other guys like Kevin Austin and Cal Hamilton tested. But 
at the same time, you know, again, we know this guy can play. Right. Turn on the film. Yep. Fill in the blank. Now, this question is with, of course, the NCAA tournament in mind with that going on right now. Fill in the blank. It's blank when coaches and players pull the we got no respect card right after they pull off an upset. It's par for the course. Like it, it, if there's like a uh, a book you could write about cliche phrases that you're supposed to say, you know, when you pull an upset, this is like the number one thing that you got to put on, right? Nobody, nobody expected us to be here. We nobody no believed respect. in us. That's yeah. right. No, nobody outside that locker room thought we could win this game. You know, all of those different things. I mean, what are you going to say? You know, yeah, you know what? We could beat them 10 times out of 10, you know, because we know that's probably not true, right? So right. Uh, the, the, the we get no respect card is pretty much par for the course. Yeah, it just it just amazes me because, like, the first thing, Eric Musselman, when, when uh, Arkansas won last night, when they knock off Gonzaga, it's the first thing out of Eric Musselman's mouth, you know, the whole nobody believed in us, we got no respect, and <laughs> right. we printed off every article and we put it around the locker room and all that, and, you know, and I guess he wants to put a chip on his players' shoulders. It's just, to me, Vince, it's amazing how many coaches will look at you with a straight face and tell you they pay no attention, you know, to the media and any of this stuff, but then again, as soon as, you know, you, you pull off and upset, this is the first thing that you hear. It's like they're telling right. you that they look at everything in the media, apparently, because they're playing the respect card right away. And again, you know, I get the whole, you know, maybe trying to put a chip on your player's shoulders and all that. But doesn't it go against, you know, again, against the whole we control what we control and, you know, all those different other cliches. You know, we can't we can't control what people think of us. We can only control our, you know, our own play and all that stuff. But again, they just start spouting the no respect card as soon as they pull off an upset. Not everyone can be a number one seed, right? Yeah, right. I mean, you've that's why they have seeds. You know, not everyone can get that. You know, specific to Arkansas, I I think it's awesome. I really enjoy watching them play, and and uh, it was it was fun to see them get a win like that. Hopefully, they can do it again. We'll talk about Coach K here in just a second. <laughs> Okay, this is Wake Forest men's basketball coach Steve Forbes. He spoke with the media this week about the ACC's poor national perception this season. Have a listen. I mean, I can tell you that Sean Farnham is carrying the banner for the Pac, for the Pac-10, the Pac-12. I'm so old, he used to be the Pac-8, whatever it was. Um, I know that Fran Fischilla is beating the drum for the for the Big 12. I know Jimmy Dykes beats it for the SEC. You know, and the Big Ten has their own network. You know, they've got their own litany of of people that are going to speak very highly. There's probably somebody, I'm just drawing a blank on the Big Ten, but we can't take for granted just that we're the ACC and that we're the, the best league in the country, that have the best tradition, the most history, the most national championships, the most NBA players. I can go bam, 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 you know, but somebody's got to be beating that drum and not allowing some of these uninformed people to beat up on us like that. You know, like tweeting out one bid league. I mean, that's just ridiculously stupid, you know, but people were doing it and national people were doing it. And it it doesn't probably affect, uh, you know, how many bids we get or whatever, but it does affect sometimes the narrative of our league. And I think we have to be, I, I think we should be very protective of that. We have a great thing, an unbelievable tradition. Now, granted, I haven't been a part of it for very long, but I feel like I can. I should be a caretaker of that, and I will be as long as I'm the coach of Wake Forest. 
So again, that is the uh, Wake Forest men's basketball coach, Steve Forbes, who was the ACC coach of the year, actually. And, and you know, this kind of goes a little bit to what we were just talking about. But do you buy or sell what Forbes is saying, Vince? Look, should he be a caretaker for his league? Yeah, he should be because he's a coach in that league. The, that part I have no problem with. And that was the, one of the last things that he said. As far as somebody carrying the water for the ACC from a media standpoint, I think that's ridiculous. I, I don't prove it on the court, man. Like the ACC was looked down on this year, uh, you know, if a, from a perception standpoint, because they weren't very good. You know, I mean, they didn't get a lot of uh, teams into the NCAA tournament because they weren't very good. The, high, the seeds weren't very good because the ACC wasn't very good. Prove it on the floor, man. Do you need somebody saying how good the ACC is in order for you to feel good about your league? Like, I, I don't really understand the point that he's making. Prove it on the court, man, and then you'll be just fine. Yeah, I really don't get it either. It's like, you know, there are ways to solve this, and it's called, you know, playing tougher non-conference <laughs> right. schedules and winning those non-conference yes. games against those opponents. I mean, there are metrics for all this stuff. So I, I just don't buy that, you know, some kind of national narrative or national perception drug the ACC down when it came to bids and seeds and all this kind of stuff. Are there a couple of teams that maybe should have been seeded a little bit better sure I mean there's an argument that Notre Dame should have been better than 11 seed and, and not had to play a play-in game but if they had beaten Indiana you know maybe that takes care of itself if they don't lose to Virginia Tech in their first ACC game or they don't lose to Florida State before that all those things take care of itself and you get seeded a little bit higher and like to hear him say well the, you know the Big Ten's got their own network Seems kind of odd that he's forgetting that the ACC has its own network <laughs> as well. Sure do. You know, what about the yeah, – last I checked, there was an ACC network, you know, and like he's talking about Fran Fraschilla and, and Jimmy Dykes being the guys out thumping for the Big 12 and the SEC. Now, I realize Dick Vitale, you know, was, was ill, you know, battling cancer for a lot of this year, there hasn't been a bigger ACC proponent Good point. than Dick Vitale over the years, right? Good point. It's like, Good point. Yeah, you know, so it's like, and, you know, and, and even without Dickie V, you've got Packer and Durham, you know, the, the ACC radio show slash it's also on the ACC network, and those guys are out there stumping all the time. So I, I, just, I just don't buy that there, that there was no one, you know, being a proponent and, you know, and, and really backing up the ACC, you know, over the, maybe, maybe this year specifically, but again, I, I think they got whatever they deserve because yes, all these metrics, you know, what, what was Notre Dame? I think two and eight in, in quad one, you know, they had the worst winning percentage against quad one teams and it's, I'm not knocking Notre Dame. I'm just saying, in general, like if, right. I mean, if they were they, the number two team in the ACC. So yeah, they, exactly. they have to be a part of the conversation. Exactly. And, you know, so if they're 2-8 and eight and they're the number two team in the ACC, numbers like that speak for themselves. I just – and then they, you know, then they got their doors blown off by the number one team yeah. in the ACC as well in the regular season, you know. So I just – I just think that, you know – go ahead. Well, I was going to say more often than not, the ACC is one of the best basketball leagues in the country. Right. Right, and I don't even think that that's arguable. Yes, they had a down year this year, no question about it. 
But if you're generally one of the best leagues, do you need somebody to carry your water? Like, I don't understand why that is even a big deal. Normally, people give the ACC the benefit of the doubt because they're usually one of the best conferences in the country. Right. I, 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 don't, I just don't get where the complaining is coming from. No, I, I completely agree. And again, if, if you want your perception to be better, then you just go out and you win more of those games against teams from other conferences. And they just, you know, they, it, that's just not the way it turned out. Right. You know, so I just, I, 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 <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the complaint is really. It's because it, it it's, it's obvious the ACC was down this year, but they're not just down this year. They've been down the last few years. I mean, just sure. look at where, you know, like Duke came back up this year. You can make the argument that, you know, that, that maybe Duke, was a little, you know, they've got the NBA guys like they always do, like Ben Caro, but at the same time, maybe Duke was up because the conference as a whole was. I mean, right. North Carolina's been down the last few years as well, you know, and that's that's a big part of it. And, you know, North Carolina was in there and, and tied with Notre Dame for second place in the conference, and Notre Dame, you know, got the head-to-head, and maybe that kind of, you know, shades that perception as well when, when North Carolina's not winning the way they usually do, but it's, uh, you, you don't have to look too far. The, the ACC, again, it's not just this year. They've been down the last few years. So I, I don't know that, that some figurehead on TV or some other figurehead, you know, out, as you said, carrying water for the conference is going to do them that much good when it comes to, to selection time and all that kind of stuff. But to say that there's never been anybody out there when, you know, he's, He's throwing shade at the Big Ten for their own network when you've got your own <laughs> network, and you know, you know, and again, Dick Vitale has has perennially, you know, been right up there at the top, thumping for the ACC. So I just don't buy it. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we come back. Speaking of Coach K, they are uh, on to the Elite Eight, taking on Arkansas tomorrow, and you'll hear that game here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. But we will take a timeout and we will talk about him and more when we return on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. This is the home of the South Bend Cubs. Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Winding down rapid fire in Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat along with Vince D'Addario, Sean Styers. I'm in Connecticut getting ready for Notre Dame Women's Sweet 16 action Tomorrow, date the uh, first day of the Sweet 16 is tonight. All those games coming up on ESPN. Of course, we've got men's Sweet 16 action tonight, and I've got Notre Dame versus North Carolina State tomorrow morning at 11:30. But Vince, on the men's side, Coach K, Mike Shashevsky, and Duke are on to the Elite Eight. So my question for you is this: Which of these scenarios would you rather see? Duke wins it all in Coach K's swan song. They lose in the national championship game, or they just lose as soon as possible. Well, I am not a Duke fan. I am not <laughs> a Coach K fan in general. I mean, I don't have anything against him specifically, but since I, I just you know the big bad Duke. You know, they they kind of fall in line with the Yankees and you know things like that. I frankly would just love for them to lose as soon as possible. I can do without the you know the 
the, the love note to Coach K in every single game that they play. And, and if he wins a national championship, it's going to be ad nauseum. And I will pass on that. <laughs> so I will always root for Duke to lose. And that is going to be the case uh, here. And, you know, they can win. It'd be okay if they win, I suppose. But as long as they don't win by more than four, thanks to Jim, um, I need them to you know, win by less than four. Right. And that is the sports wager, pick, by the way, for them. Yeah. Arkansas. I, I, I'm i with you, man. He's got his five national championships. Yeah. I don't care if it's his last season or his first season. I don't need to see him get any more. I did think it was funny last night. He was, he seemed a lot more, you know, emotional outwardly uh, at the end of that game last night, winning a hard fought game against Texas Tech with, with Duke kind of, not that they had to come far back, but Texas Tech was winning for a good chunk of that game, and they ended up Yeah, Duke swung it at the end of the game a little bit like Texas Tech uh, swung last week's game against Notre Dame. But I, I'm with you. I've just never been a Duke fan. I've never been a Coach K fan by any means, and I do not want to see him go out with a national championship in his final game. Like I said, he's already got five. It's not like he needs he's good. another yeah, he's one. Good. Yeah, you know. He's got some memories. I just lose as soon as possible. <laughs> you know, I don't need to see him have total heartbreak in the national championship game. I would love to see Arkansas win tomorrow, you know? So lose as soon as possible, and that's it. And if they don't lose that game, then let Jaden Ivey and Purdue get to the Final Four and, and play them and, and uh, beat them to get to the national championship go. game. I think that would be fun as well. Yeah, so. you know, rare, rare is it that I root for Purdue, but I, I me too, am unabashedly rooting for Purdue for for you know Jaden Ivy and, and that whole connection and and Coach Ivy. Obviously, I believe you mentioned that she drove down to the game for tonight, which I think is awesome that she yeah. has that opportunity to do that, even though she's in the midst of a run herself. I know. Um, I think that's really cool. Yeah, she got to spend uh, all last weekend on the Zoom, you know, cameras, you know, and they CBS would cut away and show her, you know, watching in the team room with with some of her assistants and stuff like that. <laughs> and then so now I didn't even think about it until we were coming out here and and I and I kind of heard what she was going to do. It's it's you know, I guess depending on traffic, roughly, you know, three and a half, four hours, something like okay. that from from where we you still got to get through New York City and all that gotcha. kind of stuff, you know, so that can take you Sometime, but I think she started early enough in the afternoon, and will be coming back late enough at night for a for a seven o'clock tip off that maybe she misses some of that. So yeah, it's pretty cool. And you know, I think Matt Painter. You know, I've never been a Purdue fan either, which which you know. <laughs> and but I, but I think Matt Painter and just this program the last few years has become easier to cheer for indefinitely when you've got a guy like like Jade Ivey and and uh, you know what he's brought in the connection. To Notre Dame and Neil Ivy, that's pretty cool as well. They're a lot easier to cheer for. These I guys, would ag I think. agree with that wholeheartedly. I was never a Gene Cady fan. That no. is for show. That's that's where <laughs> yeah, that's where it started. Yes. So now this question came from a listener, Cheryl, on Twitter, and here's what she asks: Was some college players being paid large sums of money for their NIL? Should they be open to criticism for their poor play? What do you think about that, Vince? It's an interesting question because obviously Cheryl isn't on any message boards uh, <laughs> or any of those that's, things. 
That's right. Have you have you seen some of the criticism <laughs> these guys already get? That's, that's exactly I, right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they, these guys are not immune to criticism. That is for sure. Now, that the fact that they're getting paid does that make it okay? I think it was always okay. I mean, I. You know, if I'm paying that kind of money to go watch a game, um, you know, whether it's uh, purchasing ESPN or whether it's going to a game, you know, in the stadium and paying that kind of money, I, I think these players were always open to criticism. I don't think it changes for me specifically just because they're capitalizing on name, image, and likeness that they should be more open to criticism. They were always open to criticism to me. Yeah. Um, and and I, will, I will parallel that with when you and I call high school games – <laughs> I am very cognizant of not being overly critical because they're right. high much school different, athletes. Much different at that level. That's right. Absolutely. No no question about it. So uh, it's completely different high school to college. But once you get to college and you're on scholarship, you, you're allowed to be criticized. Well, and especially when you're a top program, whether it's Notre Dame, Michigan, Alabama, you you know, all these big high-profile programs you're absolutely right there are always different levels of criticism I think that you and I though I mean everyone's a little bit different and I definitely think there are fans who take the criticism too far you know I've said before it is not a character flaw to you know have flaws in your game as a football player a basketball player whatever it happens to be that you know that is that is not a character flaw these guys are out there trying as hard as they can, as hard as they can. But at the same time, you know, we have the, you know, we have the right to critique what we see yes, from them. You absolutely, know? no doubt. I mean, just ask Ian Book and Brady <laughs> Quinn and Brandon Wimbush, yeah, and, you know, and yes. on and on and on. You know, these guys are all picked apart, you know, to to varying degrees. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that they've always been open to criticism. Uh, but again, it's it's a matter of what level, you know, like, you know, social media and all that stuff. When you are when you are directing, you know, hate filled comments and threats, that, you know, like, I hope you die, you know, because you dropped the ball, you know, and th- those that's that's to me just way over the line, you know, limit it as long as you keep it to we're talking about this person's play. Yes, and what they, absolutely. You know, that kind of thing. I, I think they're always open to criticism. But as you said, you know, when they now are accepting, you know, whatever degrees of money, I, I definitely think that that does sort of up the ante, I guess, a little bit, so to speak, on, on some of that criticism. So, yeah. All right, Vince. Well, I think that is going to do it for us tonight. What do you got planned for the weekend? Anything big? Oh, come on now. We got an open practice for Notre Dame football tomorrow, so... That's pretty major. Uh, that's right. I forgot only... about that because I can't be there. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's the only one we get. So that's yeah. the, the big thing for tomorrow. That's for sure. And thanks to the fact that it's going to be a high in the 30s, I've got no baseball practice. So uh, that stinks. But, uh, you know, and then travel soccer. So that's pretty much my weekend in a nutshell. All right. Well, enjoy the weekend. I'm glad you get to soak in the practice and get some <laughs> travel soccer as well, and of course, I'll have Notre Dame women's basketball And that's what tomorrow. I'll be tuning into right there on the way right. home from the practice. All right. Sounds good. Well, I'll be talking directly to you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Have a good weekend then. Yeah, you too. All right. Thanks. Vince D'Addario, Jim Irizarry, again, manning things and double, doing double duty for Sportsbeat AM and Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat tonight in the studio 
today. We are brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Midland Engineering Company, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. Call 574-232-9981. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, and Wings Etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. Again, Notre Dame women's basketball in the Sweet 16 against North Carolina State, 11.30 tomorrow morning, 11.15 pregame. Karen Keyes and I will have that on our sister station, Live 99.9 FM. And, of course, Darren Pritchett will have Notre Dame hockey against Minnesota State tomorrow night at 6.30 on Z94.3 FM. For Jim and Vince, I'm Sean. Have a great weekend. Budweiser's weekday sports beat WSBT South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 